Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it's all because of my guests. Each and every one of them are just incredible, and they show up here every Monday and every Friday, and they share time with us, and they are at the top of their game, and they're willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with you the essence of peak performance. And my guest today, Lance Grouse, says anyone can be a successful entrepreneur, but you need to start and you need to choose the right business for you. Now, he is the founder and CEO of Ion Franchising, an industry-leading franchise consulting and development company that represents over 700 franchise brands and business opportunities in just about every imaginable category. He is a multi-unit, multi-brand and multi-state franchisee, and he is the president of Franchise Advisory Councils. Now, Lance helps prospective entrepreneurs find their perfect franchise for free, and he also assists independent business owners in creating a franchise system for their own business. So, Lance, welcome back to your part in Success Radio. It's good to have you back. Well, thank you, Denise. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. You were here not quite a year ago, and I remember, you're going to think I'm a lunatic, but I remember going, I have got to franchise myself. Not going to happen, obviously. <laughs> that tends to I happen. Mean, I know. It's like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Wait a second. It's just me and a small team. But we had a fascinating conversation, and I really want people to, when we're done with this one, I want you to go back and look for steps to owning your own franchise business. So we've got that out of the way. So, Lance, what has changed and what is new since our last conversation? Oh, boy, so much. Um, You know, in the world of franchising, there are always, just like your listeners, I'm sure, you know, if if you put your mind to it and you just start, like you said in the intro, which is one of my favorite things to talk about, um, it's one thing to plan and dream, but to actually put some goals together and little milestones. The, the ultimate milestone of business ownership is wonderful. But there's a lot of little things you can do before then. So for me, it was getting on podcasts like yours and many others to talk to great folks, spread the word of franchising and business ownership and how folks like myself can help for free because I get paid by the brands. So then the guest spots were so successful that I launched my own podcast and my podcast is quite successful and I'm very happy with that. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I am going to just stand up and say I was part of that journey. We had a slight competition afterwards. And you said you said something about you should be podcast. I was like, heck yeah! So 
So, and I'm sure that you heard this from everyone that you were a guest on. So, so I'm going to take just a tiny piece of that, but I'm so glad <laughs> you, you did it. it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and it's been a, it's been about uh, a year now since uh, I launched the podcast, and I speak to founders of franchise brands. I speak to successful franchisees. Just had a great lady on. Actually, it's not even aired yet. She owned 45 sport clip hair salons, and now she's following a passion project with a brand called Painting with a Twist, which is fun. Drink some wine and, 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 uh, and put some paint on a canvas and enjoy the heck out of yourself. So franchising, boy, every – I'm not exaggerating. I think it's every, every month I have about eight brands – that are new, not new to franchising, but new to me that want my team to help them find new entrepreneurs for them so they can continue to grow. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great time for franchising. Any time is a great time for franchising or to find a franchise because it's a proven system. You're going in this with your eyes wide open. There's a real franchise disclosure document. Uh, franchising is regulated by the federal government. You have an idea of how successful this brand can be. And the, the only question to me is how successful are you, the individual joining this franchise, going to be? And I ask people quite often, are you going to be average? Are you going to be above average? I was in the top 10% every time I was a franchisee. Um, that's not being conceded. That's just the reality I was raised that way. I was always going to be the best. I was very competitive. And if I'm not going to be the best, I'll be in the top group. That's okay. So a lot going on, Denise. Life has never been better. And in times of adversity and down economies, franchising is very strong. Well, you know, as we discussed the last time you were here, I always have these wonderful conversations after the podcast. And for me sometimes, and it's a conversation between you the guest and me and honestly the audience is going to hate this but for me that's where a lot of the magic happens that's where we've <laughs> we have to do the outtakes we have to record we that do. i'm telling it's and honestly some of the pre-interviews i had one with a lady the other day i said we could have just recorded this and been done it was that good <laughs> but, but i do the pre-interview and i do the podcast and then i do the you know thank you call to you because I've had an opportunity to get to know you and get to know how your mind works and what you offer. And I have been fascinated with franchising since we spoke last. I didn't know anything about franchising except that, you know, Taco Bell, all, you know, all the yeah, fast McDonald's. foods, I think, are <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Those are franchises. They're not owned by one giant corporation. But, but I started looking and listening, and I do listen to your podcast. I'm lurking in there. Honestly, I am. <laughs> I may not say anything, but I'm in there going, oh, good point. But you talk a bit about semi-absentee ownership, which is about yeah. 10 to 15 hours a week, which basically, if I understand correctly, is how to keep your day job and still be the boss and build something substantial. And yes. I've been thinking about that ever since I came across it, thinking that's what I want to do when I grow up and get rich. <laughs> yeah, Next you know, <laughs> I well, perfect, good, good, uh, good goal right there. I think that's easily achievable for you. 
You know, I look at what people's skill set is. I have a free assessment on my website, and it helps me understand and the individual understand, based on your skill set, mindset, and life experiences, what brands or even more specifically industries could be best for you. And I have more semi-absentee ownership-related uh, brands than ever. And it's very important. I mean, I'm working with so many people, so many clients right now, and sometimes fear is, it's not money, it's fear, fear of failure, fear of everything. Uh, how could I leave my job of 20 years and jump into something else and be successful? And the semi-absentee option where you don't have to jump into something full-time. You can hire a manager that will train, uh, the, the brand will train your manager for you, and you just need to be available 10 or 15 hours a week for the follow-up. In the beginning, it might be a little bit more than that, depending on the extent of the training for the brand, because the brand really wants an owner, whether it's the husband or the wife or whoever, to participate in the training so you know what's going on. But you know what, Denise, technology has really taken franchising to the next level. You know, in the old days, before Google 25 years ago or so, without technology, it was hard to really play along and track what goes on. So, for example, in home improvement brands or home services brands, I have quite a few semi-absentee businesses in which owners get to play along at home or at work where they can see how many estimates their team is doing in a day, which is pretty incredible. And what's the average quote that they're giving? Does it meet the standards, you know, the average check, if you will, for that particular, particular franchise? And, you know, so having technology today as a semi-absentee owner, until you get to the point where you build up uh, a cash flow that fits your needs where you could jump if you choose to, to be a full-time owner-operator and ditch that day job that you don't particularly care for any longer. Uh, and that's a whole other story. You know, why are people starting more businesses today than ever? You know, and, and we can dive into that. Uh, I don't know that that'll ever be fixed, but I'm more satisfied with giving people the, the antidote or the solution more than anything. We should dive into that because I've been <clears> – <throat> excuse me, hang on a second – there went my voice. I've been reading a lot online about, you know, businesses are where you need to be. You know, people say, oh, we're going into, a, you know, recession, inflation. Things are not purdy out there. Put it in the deep sound, no. I ain't purdy. But the thing is, business will always be around in one way or another. And I'm not arguing with them. I think it's actually the correct thing to do. You know, start yeah. business, build businesses, take good, good care of your clients, your consumers, whoever it is, and you will more than likely succeed. 100%. Absolutely. But unfortunately, there are people that start businesses that are in the wrong field, and uh, they're mismatched. I mean, I, one of the most common questions I get is, why do people why do franchises fail? And I said, well, in most cases, franchises don't fail. People fail. And they fail to follow the system. They fail to uh, engage or choose a franchise 
that actually fits them. Some people, there's too much of a romantic notion that I need to be a business owner, and, and some people maybe aren't ready. Uh, I can't believe how many people get into a franchise system and however many months or years later they decide it's just not right for them and they hand the keys to a relative or a business partner that is even worse. <laughs> and not I have seen that happen that here in yeah. where I live. There's, uh, they used to be huge. It was a Sonic franchisee, and mm-hmm. they were huge, and now they're, they're bankrupt and they're shut down. And it mm-hmm. was because of exactly what you just described. Well, there were some and, and you, family and drug issues there, but it just got awful. worse and worse. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. And there's, and there's so many misconceptions about franchising. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world to be successful in a franchise system because somebody has thought of everything. And people also you know, you know, forget that it's not just the training you get from the franchisor or corporate. It's the support you get from the system, from the top franchisees, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of franchisees. And it doesn't matter whether it's an air conditioning brand that you can argue is completely recession-proof. So whether there's a recession or not, you're getting your air conditioning fixed. And I have quite a few. That's true. I live in the deep brands. south. We would rather <laughs> give up our firstborn and our favorite dog than not have air conditioning. <laughs> we just we can't survive. Yeah, I mean, but there's quite a few brands that are like that. I mean, even through the pandemic, it was incredible how many people were stuck at home and decided to remodel their closets or add new window coverings or whatever it might be. I mean, everybody panicked that first month of the shutdowns, trying to, depending on what state you were in, attempting to figure out, well, what's going on here? What is a shutdown and how long was this lasting? And people started remodeling and the franchise world was just so busy and nobody ever thought that would ever happen within that one month shutdown. People thought, oh my gosh, the world is going to end and not only that, not only did that not happen, we as uh, as an industry in the franchise industry were as successful as ever with people uh, remodeling their homes. And again, as you mentioned earlier, um, it's not just McDonald's and Taco Bell. Those no. are some of the most visible franchise brands, you know, the sport clips and the great clips. I have a friend that owns 20 great clips hair salons that is outrageously successful and he doesn't know how to cut hair and he doesn't even have hair, believe it or not. So (laughs) if he could do that with great clips, you can do that with anything. (laughs) Anybody can do that. Oh, I believe you. And see, I totally get the remodeling. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of friends, a lot of people I knew said, I'm not going to be able to sell. And of course now with the inflation that we're not really in, apparently, according to the news, um, yes. <laughs> you know, mortgage rates are going way up, and I suspect we're going to see a lot of that again. It's like, I'm keeping the house I've got. I'll pay it off. I need a new bathroom, whatever's going to happen. But I suspect, and you may be seeing this already, that people are just going to say, you know, I can't afford anything new. I can't really afford a new phone. I can't really, or I don't want to afford new cars right now used cars, right? People are just going, oh, heck no, I'm not paying those prices. 
So I'm wondering if you're going to see yes. a lot of franchises pop up where auto, you know, auto repair, tire replacement, that kind of thing is they're probably going to do well. Yes. Now, there's been a lot of discussion. Uh, you mentioned auto specifically, and I'll answer that specifically. Absolutely. There's a lot of statistics out there. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, the average car on the road is over 10 years old or whatever it might be these days. And, uh, and, and because of that, the auto repair franchises, most of which I represent, are doing incredibly well. And they're getting that much smarter uh, where they're going to deal with electric cars. They're already dealing to some extent with electric cars because people tend to ask, well, what's going to happen when everything's electric? Well, they'll, they'll adapt and they'll become more geared to electric. I was talking to a friend of mine whose uh, father had six Midas muffler shops. Remember that? Midas muffler. And Midas muffler, yeah, well, Midas muffler is no longer Midas muffler. It's still Midas, and it's a full-service auto repair shop. And they had six, I think, in the late 70s, and now they have 30 Midas shops, the same family. And uh, and the sons are involved now, and it's a full-service deal. And uh, there's more technology on their side. It's a little more complicated, maybe in some degree because of technology, but it's uh, it, it's a much better business today than it was. Well, that makes sense. They're evolving into what the market needs. Absolutely. And that's why you get into a franchise. Uh, and that is because franchises are going to do the R&D, you know, the research and development, to stay ahead of the curve and understand What's coming? Uh, I have so many franchises as an example. Another recession-proof business, restoration business. God forbid your house floods because the water heater exploded or you're in the path of a Washing machine. Or tornado. Washing, Washing machine. machine. I needed all new flooring. Thunderstorm damage. Yep, yep. exactly. And a roof. All, exactly. Hurricane. And I have, <laughs> I have uh, a sadly, <laughs> poor Denise. I, I have so many restoration brands. I have an exterior restoration brand. That's all they do they, is exterior work. And then, you know, look, they get paid by insurance companies. As a franchisee, you're not collecting cash, so to speak, from individuals. Um, so depending what business model, again, you don't need any industry experience. They just want smart people that have some sort of skills from a previous life, and I always say, your skills are transferable. Transferable to what? We don't necessarily know yet, but I'm going to find the best brands for you based on your skills, based on what you like, and based on what you don't like. I had somebody come to me not too long ago that said, you know what? I don't want employees anymore. I'm good at sales. I don't really want to work weekends. I said, great. I have about five brands I just thought of that are perfect for you, and that was an easy one. He ended up doing a brand called Schoolie Mitchell that, you know, you're what they call vendor watchdogs. You save businesses on all their expenses. Dennis that founded the brand is a CPA, and his clients would come to him and say, Dennis, I need, I need to make more money. And he said, well, you can either increase revenue or decrease expenses. So, uh, and he said, what do you, what, what do you, they all said, what do you mean decrease expenses? Well, I'll show you how I'll, Get a little piece of your savings from the vendors if you can't figure it out. All right, we'll pay you. If you save me five grand a year, I'll give you some money. No problem. And that's how Schoolie Mitchell was launched. 
And there's people, it's a $68,000 investment, Denise. You don't need employees. You don't work nights or weekends. And believe it or not, not only are there people that net over a million dollars a year with residual income, you get a piece of the action for three years every time you complete this deal. Schooly Mitchell Corporate will do the analysis for you uh, of, of any of these uh, businesses that you're approaching, that, that corporate does the analysis. You do everything on a contingency basis. No business has to pay you anything up front. If you could save them money, you switch. So that's just another example. In fact, uh, Adam Baker, I in- interviewed on my podcast, who's a very successful Schooly Mitchell franchisee. I interviewed him on my podcast recently. So there is oh, so there are multiple brands for everyone. That sounds like something I could do easily. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, and thank you for sharing it. I'm telling you, I'm scribbling like, you ought to see this. So if I go blank for a minute, it's because I'm listening to you and I'm writing down what you just said. So I wanted to ask you, what is top-down versus bottom-up franchises? I'm not sure I understand that a bit. Well, I think that the the top-down approach is – it's really starting with the individual and it's not, you know, the bottom up approach is all about, it's all about, I'm trying to think the best way to explain it, but the bottom up approach is everybody seems to think that they can fit into anything. And that's where the mismatch I mentioned earlier comes from. So I have people all the time that say, I just want a restaurant franchise. Why do you want a restaurant franchise? Well, I don't know. I heard they're, heard they're good businesses. Well, let's talk about you. Who's running this franchise? Because a franchise is very intense. There's more ways to a restaurant franchise specifically. There's more ways to lose money than make money, and that is my expertise specifically in restaurants. So the top-down approach is really starting with the individual. Let's start with that person. Start with your head. <laughs> Work your way down to What's in the bank? What's your investment? And I go through with everybody. What, is, what are your goals? What are your skills? But then, of course, what is the investment that you're looking to make? Are you doing all cash? Are you looking to finance? SBA loans are still um, quite prevalent, 20%, 25% down. Um, anybody can, with a 680-plus credit score, and if you own a home, you don't always need to own a home, but it's helpful. It's not about your equity. It's the fact that you're a homeowner. $150,000 SBA Express loan, you only put $17,000 down. But you need 50000 in the bank for working capital to prove you have the wherewithal, so to speak. Um, you know, you need to have some working. Working capital is incredibly crucial. So as you go top to bottom, it is all about, checking all those boxes to make sure we know you and I are on the same page to understand what it is might be a great fit for you. Uh, It's not just, I mean, I have people all the time that that comment on something and say, yes, some of your uh, top five franchises. I say, well, you go to a doctor, prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. No kidding. It's the same thing for me. I have to do an exam top to bottom. I have to do an exam to understand 
What's in your head? What are you looking for? What are you not looking for? What do you not like about your life now that we're having this conversation? It's okay to be a serial entrepreneur and looking for the next thing for you. That's a different story. I helped a, a friend that's a CPA and another friend that's very successful in the insurance business. Um, found them a resale on a medical franchise. Got lucky. Resales are tough. A lot of people think resales are amazing. The resale they got was amazing because they wouldn't have gotten a, a franchise really anywhere, and they happened to get a resale in one of the partner's backyards. But it was perfect for them. It fit their criteria. It was a semi-absentee business, uh, one location already open. So they are a different group, though. They, they are very successful serial entrepreneurs already. So it's a different conversation that I have than with first-time entrepreneurs where I really take my time. I would imagine. And you, you mentioned that you know restaurants are basically your kind of bread and butter. I'm paraphrasing there. But you were, were you a multi-unit, multi-state franchisee of Wingstop and Krispy Kreme Donuts. And I have to admit, the last time we spoke, I told you I'd never had one. I don't eat sweet foods. I don't like sugar. And I think you were a bit appalled by that, but I don't No, no, no. I was was a little surprised because Uh, everyone, I thought, has a cheat day, but, you know, uh, you have more uh, willpower because I don't like, I don't feel great when I eat sweets, but I love sweets. I just don't like, I can't eat it. I'm a super taster, and sugar can just, it'll stop me dead. I mean, I will have to, I may be in a restaurant, and if I accidentally get a, a swig of sweet iced tea like they do in the South, I have been known to spit it back out. It's involuntary. <laughs> oh, it's rude. <laughs> so I'm always going, is there sugar in this? Ketchup. Why did anybody but, think putting a perfectly good tomato in a bunch of sugar is a good idea? That stuff's nasty. <laughs> so good, no. good question. That is a uh, good no. question, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, but but you know, Denise, and that that just further um, sort of accentuates. I have so many people that I can tell in a first conversation when we start just brainstorming after I hear about them and understand what I might be looking for, and you know, mindset, as you know, plays a huge part in people becoming their own boss because of fear. I mentioned fear because of the unknown. And sometimes, like I mentioned, my friend with the hair salons, that doesn't know how to cut hair and doesn't have hair. You can imagine his initial reaction when he heard about a hair salon for him. Well, it's like you having a donut shop. <laughs> well, I right? wouldn't need the profits. I really wouldn't. Well, exactly. Exactly. And when I joined Wingstop, I mean, chicken wings were not my favorite food. It's not like I ate them every day, but I knew it was going to be a good business. And that's, you know, and some people have different sets of standards, if you will. I'm not saying I don't have standards, but <laughs> if, you know, I don't eat donuts every day, yet I'm right. a, a, a big donut expert. In fact, I probably haven't had a donut. At, well, I had a donut last week. My wife had donuts in the house for something they were doing with the business uh, for my son that we started for him, uh, another franchise, medical billing, and they were taking donuts to doctor's offices of all things to get their attention and 
get some business. And, of course, everybody loved it. Who doesn't love a sweet treat coming to a doctor's office except Denise and Lance? Except me. <laughs> and you yeah. are the founder of a donut chain called Pink Box in Las Vegas. So I you know am. donuts. Uh, well, yeah, I was with Krispy Kreme, and uh, I was invited into that partnership and was the managing partner and one of the owners, and we ended up doing $25 million a year. It was a good organization uh, that we created, a franchise organization. We were the second franchisee for Krispy Kreme, and we had the state of Nevada and Utah and did very well. Um, and that's a whole other story. We don't have enough time for to go through Krispy Kreme because – some people think they failed in some areas, and the reality, I guess, by definition, they did, but they had a faulty development plan, and uh, franchisors are not created equal. Krispy Kreme is an incredible brand that's still very beloved, but they created these development agreements for future franchisees well after us. I think corporate got a little bit greedy and made franchisees open too many locations. So, for example, Southern California, just Southern California was required to build like 20-something hot shops, those big Krispy Kreme shops with the hot light on, with the hot light and everything, you know, where they manufacture the donuts. We call those hot shops. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they were required to build 20 in Southern California. Well, that's like Walt Disney deciding, you know, we're going to have 100 Disney Worlds or Disneylands throughout the United States. Well, it doesn't work. In franchising or in any business, you have to decide whether you're going to be a convenience or a destination. And Krispy Kreme had it all wrong. They did not need to be the ultimate convenience. They needed to be a destination. So where I am on the West Coast in Las Vegas, In-N-Out Burger started in Southern California. It's a non-franchise brand, but as an example, In-N-Out Burger wanted to be, as as Krispy Kreme should have been, they wanted to be a destination. They were not a convenience. They had the convenience of a drive through when you finally got there. But in Las Vegas, last I checked, there's probably 12 or 14, maybe, In-N-Out burgers. And there's 150 or so McDonald's. So it gives you an indication who's convenient, who's a destination. Yeah. And, you know, after we talked last time, I actually went looking for Krispy Kreme donuts. I thought, well, there. let me go see what it's all about. Can't find them around here. And if you do find them, I think there's, they're in a gas station in Baton Rouge. I mean, they're just not around here. Yeah, and that's, and that's the unfortunate part because <clears throat> the hot shops were supposed to be in great sort of lifestyle centers so everybody can get a hot donut fairly conveniently and then kind of fell off where they – still partnering with these gas station partners too much that didn't necessarily treat the donuts right, and they could be potentially laying around too long. And uh, I I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that part of the business at all. But I had somebody come to me after Krispy Kreme and say, hey, can you you start us a donut chain? I want to create a a gourmet donut chain. And it was a guy that I knew from one of my previous restaurants I created. I had a burger place called Create that was very successful. Las Vegas, and we had won Best Burger, Best French Fries, etc. And uh, I said, sure, well, I'll create a gourmet donut shop for us. What do, you, what do you have in mind? He goes, all I have so far is the name, Pink Box. And I thought that was a cute name. Let's do it. And uh, 
launched in 2011, and now it's a successful chain. Uh, I I sold out. I'm a builder. I'm not a maintainer. I love the I love the art of creating things, creating businesses. And Pinkbox was incredibly successful, and I sold out earlier than my partner, and then my partner sold out to a very prominent businessman that is now expanding the Pinkbox brand everywhere. It seems. Nice. So it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Seeing yeah, your baby and grow like up. You. I like to create and launch, but hanging on to it forever and ever, amen, that's too much like raising kids for me. It's like, nah, you got to go now. I just, I've got to go on. I love it. <laughs> and your latest startup bakery project is with a Food Network star. Are you able to talk about that? Oh, well, I, I've already moved on from that. He's a very good friend. He's a, a, a chef, Robert Teddy, has been on Food Network, Cooking Channel, He's, uh, I shouldn't say cooking channel. I think he only has a Food Network contract now, so that wouldn't be fair. But uh, he is uh, international pastry success. And, um, yeah, and a friend of, friend of his, we have a common friend that's on the board of Jamba. Used to be Jamba Juice. Now it's just Jamba. And uh, connected us. And I uh, helped him launch that in Las Vegas. And, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, He's been successful. He might franchise it now and uh, also in Las Vegas. And, uh, yeah, so I, I keep my hands on a lot of different things. There was a chain called Donut Mania I helped launch in Las Vegas. That owner, I think, ended up selling out to the Pink Box folks. To, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of donut stuff going on these days. You know, it, remember when cupcakes were a thing, right? There's cupcake shops nope. everywhere. <laughs> Well, you you might not have eaten them, <laughs> really Denise, but you might have seen them. <laughs> no, but donuts, donuts, I donuts are very everything. hard to make. My groceries <laughs> land on my my front porch every Saturday. I, love I it. try not to go anywhere if I can avoid it. So donuts are, uh, you know, donuts are harder to make. You can't really make donuts that easily at home. You could, but it's it's not easy with a home fryer. You need, you know, really a commercial fryer to make the best quality. And um, so you just, you know, you see a lot of cupcake startups, or there have been over the years, because it's easier to do. Uh, Anybody, you know, can start a a cupcake shop. Most people don't want to deal with deep fryers and things like that in the donut shops. But but no, I I just love donuts. I love the idea of a donut shop and the creative nature what do you fill it with what do you top it with and uh, we could talk about donuts all day but but uh you know my my bread and butter today you lost filled. me about an hour ago when we, well you lost me last time when we were talking about <laughs> i really no, but, I, you know, every time i think about it i actually gag a little bit it's like oh my god you know just this <laughs> so, no well uh, we won't talk about it anymore but um but no, I, I've been doing a lot of. I've I've been working. Well, I've always worked with a lot of independent business owners that have a successful concept. Maybe have one location or one territory open of whatever, and talk to them about franchising their business. And I have a, a whole team, uh, including some franchise attorneys, and and we do a, a great job. Uh, we are uh, definitely not the most expensive by any stretch. You know, we have the best value proposition, I believe, in franchising to set 
independent business uh, businesses up to franchise. And uh, I, I think that's one of my favorite things besides finding people, their perfect business. That's always a staple of mine in the majority of my business. But look, all things, all things franchising, depending on what you're doing can be successful. But let me tell you, if you have a successful independent business, it could be a coaching business. It could be anything. There has to be something proprietary to it. If there's 800 competitors doing exactly what you're doing, and you can't stand out, it might not make a great franchise. There has to be some sort of secret sauce, if you will. And uh, it's pretty amazing when these companies go to sell their franchise, you're worth, as a franchisor, you're worth about 10 times cash flow. So if you do the math on that, you know, build up a million-dollar cash flow within your franchise system, you can sell for $10 million. So... This is, uh, I don't know how much money you need to be very successful and happy for the rest of your life, but, you know. That would do I don't it. Need, I could live with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't need, I mean, I've, I've built big companies. I've, I've done it, <laughs> been there, done that. And, uh, but I, I still run into people that say, I need a billion dollars. I was like, oh, okay, if that's what you need. We can, we, can, we can do the math for that, you know. We can figure that out for you. Well, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I shouldn't be. What What are some examples? You know, you coaching. I, I got that one. I I do a lot of coaching. I do a lot of consulting. I have no idea if I could franchise that, but I'd be interested in learning how. But can you give us some examples of you know, if small businesses like mine, we're entrepreneurs, we're solopreneurs, we kind of do it yeah. all on our own and hope for the best most days. <laughs> we have yeah. a plan. Well, our plan is to get up I, in the morning kick butt and try to sleep at night and start all over again the next day. <laughs> well, Probably I'll not a good ex- business plan. I'll give you an example. And, and you gave some very specific um, examples or, you know, situations. When somebody comes to me and they ask if they can franchise, if I think it's a good idea, I'm looking at, to your exact point, you just said something so poignant. If somebody really hasn't been able to pull themselves out at all, it might be a problem because, you know, the old expression, and I think it was Ray Kroc that originally said my favorite expression, you know, the founder of McDonald's, franchising is, you know, you're in business for yourself but not by yourself. And so I like founders that at least have one main lieutenant or captain, if you will, that have at least pulled themselves out a little bit so far. So, for example, I had a, a partnership in Pennsylvania, not me, but you know, the, the, I was actually on their podcast. They had a podcast, and they actually own a mortgage business. And after the podcast, kind of like you were talking about before, we talked about franchising more. And these two were describing to me all of their systems that they have in place why they're different from other mortgage companies. And I said, you guys have the makings of, a, of an amazing franchise system. And there's very few mortgage franchises. There's a lot of real estate-related franchises, but there's very, very few mortgage franchises. That would be, in my opinion, an amazing franchise. So they're now, they're now set up for franchising. They just completed the process. And 
you know, real estate is, is an interesting field at this point, but you know, the, the, the game of course, in a down real estate market with interest rates skyrocketing and they're going to go higher is people selling homes are obviously not going to do what they did, you know, five years ago. So clearly those people could be interested in getting into the mortgage side. So as things recover, they're in a position, but to your point, you wanted examples. So there's a, there's a partnership that is doing mortgages. Um, I mentioned coaching and one of the biggest ones out there is action coach. Um, Brad sugar spoke at our convention, one of the franchise major franchise conventions that I attend every year with Franserve in Orlando. And Brad sugars is a, pretty sure he's a billionaire and he's the founder of action coach and other companies and teaches people how to be a coach and they have all kinds of resources and technology. Um, so, you know, the old expression, what's in it for me, if you can't figure out the value in a franchise, you know, like when people say, oh, I'm going to do it on my own. Well, as a coach, it's kind of difficult to compete with action coach. It's a lot of bells and whistles that they hand you, you know, that if you were going to replicate on your own, I would imagine there's quite a bit of time and money to invest to replicate that for your clientele. But we have the, the franchising is absolutely everything from commercial cleaning to restaurants. And, and Denise, the, the restaurant or food and beverage and personal care categories are, are huge. Restaurants, everybody knows, but personal care is, like we discussed a little bit earlier, salons, great clips, and European Wax Center, and massage, massage envy, and elements, what have you. So those are the brick-and-mortar franchises that everybody tends to know, but I have weight loss franchises that have outstanding numbers. Um, I mean, but you can make money literally in anything. Home service brands, I mentioned earlier. Huge category, automotive, alternative health, these, these IV drip franchises, hugely popular. In the middle of the pandemic, everybody was looking at ways to boost their immunity, their immune system, and take more vitamins. And, and these IV drip franchises like Drip Bar, IV Nutrition Now, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Prime IV, my friend owns in Las Vegas. A um, lot of lot of great opportunities. So, you name it, there's a franchise for it, and uh, you know, and, and sometimes people gravitate towards certain uh, segments, you know, because their friend told them it was going to be a good idea or what have you. But you know what, franchising. I don't know if you want me to dive in it now as a nice uh, little education piece for everybody, but franchising is not as mysterious as people think. It is regulated by the federal government. There is a franchise disclosure document that is required that each brand put out. There's 23 different items in that disclosure document. And my favorite is item 19. It's an earnings claim. And I'll give you an example. I have an air conditioning franchise that, that says that the average franchisee does $3.5 million in revenue. $3.5 million. It's pretty good on a $150,000 investment. And then, on, and then on top of that, it says the top 25% of high-performing franchisees, top 25% does over $9 million. 
So I think you can build a nice business plan with those numbers. And then by the time you get to the end of the process that I take you through and the brand will take you through, we call that validation, where you have an opportunity to validate claims and numbers and anything you've heard from franchisees. And like I might have mentioned earlier, like joining a fraternity or sorority, the sisterhood and brotherhood, you either feel like you fit the culture and you belong in this franchise or not. But let me run through, you know, you mentioned on, on brands, whether it's, you know, business services, there's a lot of good stuff there, cleaning services, automotive, alternative health care. pet services? That's a I was huge just, amount I was of our gonna, money. I was just going to tell you, pet services and child services are two of the largest. Right. There's, you know, because everybody's going to spend money on their kids and their pets no matter what, what's going on in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a helicopter parent when it comes to my cats and my woefully outnumbered and outgunned dog. I mean, yeah, yep. if they yep. even look at me, and all of mine are elderly. I've got two six-year-olds, and but, you know, the uh, 17, you know, my one of mine is diabetic, and I've had her to the vet three times, and he's like, she's fine. Draw blood. But I'll spend that but many, pet- you know. Pet-related franchises have absolutely exploded. Real estate, like we buy ugly houses, the home investors folks, fixing and flipping, buying and holding houses, a big real estate franchise. Um, I mean, you name it, senior care, home health care, or it's not even, not even health-related, it's companion care. Unfortunately, my dad passed a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, and, and mom called a couple of franchises to come help basically they're just companion care. So mom can have a break. I flew in as well, but, you know, so mom can have a break. The senior care, companion care in your home to help take care of, you know, the elderly man or woman is enormous. That companion care segment is going to continue to grow insane numbers for the next 35 years because every day another 10,000 people turn 65. It's no. kind of pre-hospice, isn't it? Or maybe yeah, even I mean, I had, an, I had an uncle that had, um, you know, I think it was Alzheimer's or some sort of dementia that just passed. And my aunt, Diane, had uh, home care, some of the same exact people that serviced my dad um, for years. Years she had round the clock, round the clock care for seven uh, seven days a week, and this for several years. So it's not all hospice. Some of it is long term care. Some of it's not even senior care. If somebody uh, breaks a leg or have surge has surgery and they need help in their home, that's what this companion care is for. Um, I saw a case study on one of my brands. A young couple have been doing this particular senior care franchise for under, well, just about two years. It'll be two years by the end of this year, end of this uh, year. And they'll do 3 million this year is what they're forecasting with about an 18 to 20% net profit, 3 million. Imagine netting, well, even if it's 500,000 on the very conservative side, 500,000 bucks when you're 26 years old, you've never even had a real career. And it's because you followed a system and you just have empathy and you're smart and you listen and you communicate. And uh, I, I just love hearing stories like that. And a veteran, a veteran, a guy by himself just came out of the military 
and he's he'll do four million at uh, senior care brand, um, same brand actually, um, and that brand is a hundred thousand dollars to get into. That's it. Financing is available. Wow! But do you have um, franchises that deal with end of life, not host, not hospice, but you know, end of life grief counseling, that type of thing? You know, I, I the short answer is I am not aware. There are some mental health related franchises that have just popped up, but I don't have anything like you're describing in my portfolio as of yet. Oh, I'm asking because oh. I have a client that I may like to introduce you to. Oh, that would be that would be fantastic. And look, yeah. a healthy competition is. Yeah, healthy competition is good. I would love to talk with them. You know, a lot of people, Denise, say to me, they say, well, I see some competition, so is that good or bad? They say, well, you know, like in the burger segment that everybody seems to know. (laughs) We won't put ketchup on your burger, don't worry. Um, In the burger (laughs) segment. No ketchup, no donuts. (laughs) In the burger segment, you know, people, when Five Guys Burgers launched, people said, oh, my gosh, not another burger but they knew what they were doing. They saw, even though there was all this burger competition, nobody was doing it exactly like them, and they were successful. Um, so to your point, sometimes not having any competition is amazing. But sometimes that also means that maybe people aren't willing to accept. They've never heard of you. Of they don't, they, they won't go look it. for you. Right. But, for, but first to market, you know, like McDonald's really was, uh, first national drive-through burger player, um, it worked out, and uh, it is about marketing. And and uh, you know, it's funny what you just mentioned. Uh, I it just dawned on me. I just sent a proposal to somebody last week that does a lot of. Uh, I think we don't have to talk about it now, but a, a lot of what you just mentioned about end of life and. Um, it's a lot of mental health counseling also, so we, we can we can talk offline about your friend. Yeah, definitely. Um, and thank you. I wanted to ask you, boy, we've only got about nine minutes left. This goes so fast. Every time I talk with Time you. Time flies so, when you're having fun. It does. Franchise fees, do you have to pay them? Do you always pay them? Why would you pay them? Oh, good question. Talk about that. That's my favorite, that's my favorite question. So, you know what? It's all about all about time and money. Everything in life is about time and money. Where do you want to spend your time and what's it going to cost you to, to have some fun and whatever? So when it comes to business startup, every franchise, I mentioned a brand earlier, uh, Schoolie Mitchell, very successful. They've had franchisees sell for a million and a half dollars and even a lot more than that on a $68,000 franchise. That's it. 68000 That is the franchise fee. But the reason there is a franchise fee is all brands are giving you their years of, basically, they're giving you a proven system. They've paid a lot of money to develop these systems. They have an entire staff to train you and support you. In some instances, they're coming to your market, especially when you have a restaurant, to show you how to do things, and they're paying for the hotel room and all that, that technically comes out of your franchise fee. So what I tell people is if you're going to start something like Schoolie Mitchell, you're going to have to hire somebody 
that was in that industry, you're going to have to you're going to have to spend some money to figure out how to do that. And you know, Schooley Mitchell has a fiduciary responsibility really to obviously select great franchisees and then support you and make sure you're successful. I mentioned that franchise disclosure document. If a franchisee fails, that's disclosed in the document, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that, and that's one of the things I help people through. So long answer to your question about franchise fees, they're all different. They're all over the place. It's a one-time fee, and then you're paying a royalty, and the royalty is the ongoing fee. So the franchise fees, I tell people, don't worry about the franchise fee. You're looking at what your business plan reveals. So Schooley Mitchell, I had a guy recently that was like, I need to make 200000 a year by the time year two rolls around. Well, he validated with franchisees, and according to the franchise disclosure document, financials, experienced people like him with sales experience could do that. And he joined the franchise. There are people making a lot more than $200,000 a year. There's plenty of people making $400,000 a year plus. But the franchise fee gets you in. It's like a setup fee. It's what I call like an expedited fee, uh, accelerated performance to get you to a level a lot quicker than you doing it on your own. You don't have to pay the 68000 You can do it on your own. The problem is by the time you put everything together, you have somebody create a website from scratch. You do your appropriate coaching. You start off slower because you're not a franchising and have to make a lot of mistakes. How many years is it going to take you to get the traction that's appropriate? And so you'll spend that 68000 and then some, and you know, there's no guarantee you'll ever get to the level of what Schooley Mitchell is doing. The royalty could be anywhere from 4%, 8%, somewhere in that neighborhood, normally speaking. And a franchisor is going to support you for life, whether it's new R&D like Schooley Mitchell as an example. They're always adding revenue streams. And I mentioned Adam Baker. You can hear him on my, on my podcast. Dennis Schooley I interviewed as well. But Adam could have done it on his own because he did something similar. But he didn't hesitate. He joined Schooley Mitchell because it's all there for him. He wasn't going to go reinventing the wheel and figuring that out on his own, even though he's smarter than the average bear, so to speak. So paying the royalty is where franchisors make their profit margin. Everybody's entitled to a profit, whether you're getting a haircut at Great Clips or McDonald's burger or you know, getting a franchise through Schooley Mitchell, they're entitled to make a profit, and that's on the royalty. But every brand will have some sort of success coach, or sometimes they're called franchise business consultants, FBCs, that support you in the market. They look at your metrics. They look at your performance. They ask how they can support you. They roll out new um, promotions, seasonal promotions, depending on the franchise that you're in. Um, some franchises for the royalty are doing a ton of things for you. Some of them have call centers. Um, I have a mosquito brand that I love, mosquitoes, believe it or not. They want to enjoy your backyard. I'm in the right? South. Ours are the size of jet airplanes. I exactly. mosquitoes. Exactly. Well, mosquito franchises have call centers. 
incredibly high customer retention rate. They do a lot for their royalty. So again, value, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, so is value. <laughs> I could show you brands that I know you're going to get your money's worth and are going to support you for life and you'll be able to make an incredible living. And most importantly, if and when you decide to sell, you can sell a franchise for typically four times cash flow. So you want to sell for a million dollars? I have a brand called Window Genie. David Flax is the president. And I talked to him before, and David was a franchisee. Bought a franchise of Window Genie for under $120,000 and sold his franchise of Window Genie years later for $1.2 million, I think is what it was, to be exact. It's pretty good. And he had nothing to do. He wanted to still work like most of us. I don't know, you know, Denise, you and I will probably never retire. We love what we're doing. We oh, love no. helping people. People say, where are you going on vacation? And I ask them to spell it. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you go I, love, on, wait, really? wait. I still, I love my vacations, <laughs> but I'm never going to retire. Uh, I just, I don't, well, my vacation, honestly, is in the backyard with a good book. <laughs> that's, that's about as well, good as it gets, but... But I will not retire. I mean, my plan is to die when I'm quite elderly, probably around 150, 120, I don't want to get greedy, in my sleep, <laughs> plotting world domination. I mean, that's just all I there love is to it. it. I so, love it. No, I, retiring is not an option for people like us. I, I'm a big believer in fate, and I've had two different much older men, senior citizens, one with a walker, come up to me, and straight, one in a coffee shop, one in a little bagel shop in Las Vegas, and gave me completely unsolicited advice a few years apart, and the advice was exactly the same. Never retire. And it was a sign. <laughs> Get yourself in a financial position where you could retire and don't. Right. Your mind goes to mush when you no longer have any kind of purpose, and that's really bad. So I said, got it loud and clear, and that's where I am right now. <laughs> I'm in the situation where yeah. <laughs> I'm doing what I love, and that's it. There you go. Listen, um, what? And I know I'm going back to our first podcast. Everybody go listen to that. What is about the average cost of a franchise today? Because I'm sure it's changed in the last year since we spoke last. No, it, not not really. I mean, yes, due to supply chain, uh, some of the costs of building materials has gone up. But generally speaking, I tell everybody, uh, while I do have plenty of franchises under 100000 the average is still probably about 150000 all in. Franchise fee, working capital, 150. I do a lot of deals at that level. Uh, I do quite a few that are, you know, 200,000. Um, but you know, with SBA loans, you know, $50,000 is your down payment on a $200,000 SBA loan, and have another 30 grand in the bank. Um, rollover business startup loans out of your 401k plan. I mean, there's a lot of ways, creative ways to finance these days. More than ever, I had a guy use his stock portfolio. He's not using it for anything else, and had had a lot of money. Even with the loss he's taken, he he can use a portion of that at a you know low interest loan. So, uh, one hundred fifty thousand is generally the average that I'm working with these days, and you can make a nice living with that brand. And it's okay to start with one. My friend that did Great Clips started with one Great Clips. 
155,000 or so to open that first one. He did one, and now he's got 20. It's amazing. Lance, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to share with the audience? Well, I, look, I love talking to nice people. I love helping everybody. If you're not even sure if I can help you or you're not even sure whether you're looking for a business today or three years from now, it doesn't matter to me. Let's start the relationship. I'll set you on the right path. We started with the word start. We're going to end with the word start. Just start. Reach out to me. Denise will have my website, Ion Franchising, E-Y-E-O-N Franchising.com. You can find me all over social media. And your podcast, where do they find that? The podcast is on all major podcast platforms, just Ion Franchising, E-Y-E-O-N Franchising. Perfect. And you know I'm going to be in touch. I mean, since we had this conversation I last year, well, actually it was the beginning of this year, I believe. It, wasn't, it seems like it was a year ago, but I don't think it was quite. This has been <laughs> tickling the back of my brain ever since. So well, you are, believe it or not, my, my retirement plan. You just don't know it. Well, you know it now. <laughs> I can't wait to help you, Denise, and everyone else. But no, it's it's been a good time. I appreciate you inviting me back on. Oh, my pleasure. Listen, it's been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and advice that you've shared with our audience, and now I need to go scratch my brain, seriously. <laughs> and before we say well, goodbye, I would like to, Huh? Thank you once again. I do appreciate it. Oh, I love talking with you. So before we say goodbye to like the that. audience, I would like to remind you to look for us at iTunes, Audible, Spotify, Honestly, anywhere you consume your business podcasts. Truthfully, you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So look for us, find us, and take us along on your success journey. Thank you again, Lance. I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Denise. Thank you so much. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, Contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.